For most people, when they see the word alpha, it immediately gives a bad feeling. I really, really support women's rights. I, I'm, I am all for equity, equality, for, for all walks of life, for that matter. So, so when I help men improve their emotional intelligence, I believe I'm helping everybody. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective addressing important societal issues. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. On this episode, addressing men's issues improves everyone's lives. Why do I say this? Men perpetrate the majority of violent attacks in modern society. Why is this? Men are expected to be self-sufficient. Men are expected to be providers and protectors. Men are expected to make the first move, but only if it is wanted. Men are not allowed to cry or talk about their emotions. You've heard people say, man up, be a man. Men are under a lot of pressure in modern society as traditional gender roles are changing. They need good role models and they need help to deal with their problems. If you listen to my Wage Gap, Family Gap podcast, you will know that men are much less likely than women to have a network of close personal friends to support them in their difficulties. Perhaps as a result of this difference, men die on average five years earlier than women. Three times more men commit suicide than women. So how do we address these men's issues and make the world a better place? Normally my podcasts are very science-based, and this is more of a social science podcast, uh, but we'll be back to the science. Uh, in this one, though, I, I think to get to the sort of Star Trek future that I want to get us to, eco-modernism agenda, we need to bring up the social aspects uh, to the same place that the science aspects are bringing us to. We need to have a situation where we don't have the sort of ugly violence that we see in society. And so that's why I want to address that. To provide some insight, I've invited my little brother, Kevin Scott, leader of the Effortless Alpha Masculine Expansion. If you could see him, you would understand the joke. He's six foot four, uh, so little only in age. Kevin is also my Lord of the Eagles patron podcast sponsor. When Kevin Bruce Scott speaks, his messages connect people to their hearts as well as the minds. He has lived many different lives as an artist, businessman, salesman, and even a farmer. And that helps him relate to all kinds of people. Kevin strives to give his dedicated clients a feeling of potential possibility in their life, something one tends to forget they've hidden all along. He is a leader of leaders, a leader of men, and works hard to be an example for men of all walks of life. The motto for his effortless alpha brotherhood he created is to inspire and create space for men to access their own potential through the bond of brotherhood where no man feels alone. His life-transforming work with men in groups and one-on-one -on -one has sparked the masculine expansion, creating a space for men to lead themselves and their communities with power, honor, discipline, and respect. Kevin, welcome to The Rational View. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Oh, nice to have you. Thank you for coming. 
Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to become the leader of the Effortless Alphas? Yeah. Uh, As you said, I started off on a farm in rural Ontario, Canada. And for the first 30 some years of my life, I was just trying to discover what it was that I wanted to be when I grew up. And age 38 came along and I met a a beautiful woman who is now my fiance. And uh, when she first spoke to me, she said, I'm a life coach. And and at this point, I'm I'm very skeptical of the, the coaching industry, thinking that anybody that's got time for that is just some sort of drugged up hippie or something uh, with far too much money. And so I said, my, my exact words to her were, all right, genius, fix me. (laughs) And she said something that in that moment changed my life. She said, no, you don't want to be fixed. And I was like, hang on now a second. I, I'm, I pride myself on, on embracing change, on being someone that loves change. How, how, how am I coming across as someone that doesn't want to be fixed? Who is it that I'm showing myself to be to people? So I started listening to her and the things she started saying just started to make sense. And I got inspired and I, it took me still a couple of years to, to actually get into the whole coaching thing and really embrace it. Uh, I, again, I was, I was still skeptical for, for at least a year anyway, even though I was listening and I was, I was uh, making changes. So a couple of years later, I started uh, the Effortless Alphas, the, the men's group, and uh, started coaching men one-on-one. And it's been phenomenal ever since. I just, I love my work. So, wow, that's cool. Why did you decide to coach men? Because I'm a man. And I, I can't possibly understand what a woman goes through. Impossible. As much studying as I can do, as much uh, research as I can do, I'll never be able to think like a woman, be able to feel like a woman. I grew up white, heterosexual man. So basically, I coach white, heterosexual men, uh, although I do um, coach all, all walks of men from whatever race or, or sexual background. Okay. So... When I think of alpha males, I think of toxic masculinity. Why did you name it Effortless Alphas? Uh, Well, that was actually uh, Melanie's name for me. She came up with that before I started coaching. She's like, when you walk into a room or in any situation, people just automatically look to you for leadership. You don't seek it. You don't try for it. You don't commandeer people. You don't demean people to get leadership. You just, you just are effortlessly the alpha male in the room. And so she says, if you ever get into coaching, you should use that as your title. So I did. You are Um, very charismatic. Thank you. Uh, But it's the effortless alpha. It it is an attempt at rebranding what alpha means to people because Uh you're right. For most people, when they see the word alpha, it immediately gives a bad feeling. It gives the the, the toxic masculinity, the the domineering, yes, that kind of feeling to it. Although I don't believe that masculinity is toxic, but we can talk about that in a minute. So this is all about working really, really hard on ourselves. 
I'm not interested in being domineering. I'm not interested in necessarily going out to strive to be a leader of other people. I want to lead myself to the best life I can have. And by doing that, other people see how happy I am, see the, the, the great strides I make in my life and go, I want some of that. Hmm. And then effortlessly, we become leaders in our communities if men do this. Interesting. Okay. That helps. So just playing devil's advocate here, for a long time, women have been excluded from a lot of opportunities that get lumped into the old boys club, you know, the glass ceiling and all of this. Do you feel that by focusing on men's issues, you're contributing to this problem? Absolutely not. No, quite the opposite, as a matter of fact, because I'm helping men understand themselves better. And one of the things that I focus on, one of the things I believe I'm an expert on is relationships. I have the best relationship and it didn't come from just uh, having some natural talent at being good at relationships. This is something I've worked on for years at being incredible fiance, being an incredible husband, even though I'm not a husband yet. And even at being an incredible father, even though I'm not a father yet. These are things I work on every single day. So by being the leader in my community, by showing respect for women, by supporting my fiance who does this work for women and is one of the most successful coaches in the world as far as I'm as far as I know, and as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> no bias, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolute 100% bias, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> uh, but I really, really support women's rights. I, I'm, I am all for equity, equality, uh, in, for, for all walks of life, for that matter. So, so when I help men improve their emotional intelligence, I believe I'm helping everybody. Indeed. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to have this podcast and discuss with you. Now, digging a little deeper into that, many feminists might be offended by the concept of chivalry, you know, a man holding the door for the weaker sex. Um, and some of them feel demeaned by this. I know that, as you said, masculinity is part of your group's identity. Chivalry plays a part in your brotherhood. What's your opinion on this controversy? This is a topic that comes up a lot, especially when men are first starting out in, in coaching or getting into men's groups. And I can tell you without fail, I have never in my life had any woman or anybody for that matter, say they felt demeaned when I opened a door for them or when I was being chivalrous. Never, not a single time. And I get so many men that come to me going, I opened a door for a woman once and she told me to F off and, and she said, I can do it myself. And I'm like, well, there's got to be something about the energy in which you do it in, in, in the person that you are when you're doing this. If you're opening a door, if you're being chivalrous to get praise, to get thanks, to get something, that's what they feel from you. And that's what I believe makes them feel less than, makes them feel demeaned. Because I open every single door for Melanie. Every time we get into the car, I open the door. And I'll tell you, she is an incredible door opener. 
<laughs> I have seen her open doors. She is phenomenal at it. But I do it because I respect her. I do it because I love her. I do it because I want to. And I open doors for everybody. It's not just I'm going to open doors for women because they're the weaker sex. I open doors because it's respectful, because it's something kind to do. And mm -hmm. the chivalry isn't just about doing things for women. Chivalry is a, is a way of life. It's doing things for people. Okay, that's, that's maybe a slightly different interpretation than I would take from the definition of chivalry. But uh, it sounds like a, a, good, a good take on it. So COVID has been hard on a lot of people. And, you know, you're a, a relationship expert. Forced isolation is leading people to have to confront domestic issues head on. How is it affecting relationships? How are, how are your clients dealing with COVID? What's, what's the biggest issues that you see? If there are problems in your relationship before COVID, they are coming to the light right now. And there are two different types of people that are going to come out of this. The people that take this opportunity as an opportunity to actually work on themselves and work on their relationships and make it incredible for when this is all over. And there are people that are just letting things happen to them, doing the same old, same old, getting in the fights, getting in the arguments, not doing anything about it, not changing, blaming their partner for the situation that they're in, blaming the, somebody else, blaming the kids, blaming the whoever's. And they're going to come out of this with a, a divorce or lost children or whatever. Um, it's definitely taking a toll on a lot, of, a lot of relationships, but we get to choose our outcome. We can either take this as an opportunity to improve our relationships or not. It's, it's really that simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In fact, you also feel for um, people in abusive relationships right now. Um, you there's an uptick in domestic violence, right? If you know, you're stuck with your abuser in the house, this is not a good time for you. Yeah, and I mean, this is, it, it's so difficult for people to get out of abusive relationships. And I don't think that most people that are not in an abusive relationship, I don't think they understand how difficult it is to get out because the fear keeps people in the relationship. The mm. fear that if I leave, or if I even think about leaving, I'm going to get beaten up. I'm going to get emotionally, verbally abused. And it's, it's also, I'm connected to this person. What if I can't take care of myself outside of this? What if there isn't somebody else better? I've lived X amount of years of my life connected to this person, some, maybe even dependent on this person leaving is is a scarier option than dealing with the abuse every single day for a uh, lot of people that's really a failing of society right now and uh, i mentioned this i think in, a, in the last episode on uh, universal basic income if we had a universal basic income people wouldn't be forced into bad positions people would be able to survive and we can afford that as a society so you should go back and listen to that episode because that, I think, is an important change that can help relationships and can help, you know, all of our interactions in society. If you're not in a place where you have to do something to survive, uh, 
Yeah, and women are are doing this a lot. Like, a, there are a lot of women that work with uh, Melanie that want to become financially stable on their own because maybe they're in a in a bad relationship or just just because they so they can have that something they call their own. Mm-hmm. It's it's inspiring to me to see so many women uh, working on themselves. Indeed. So let's get back to men here uh, and focus on, on your, your work. The way I see it, men are losing their privileged position in society. Their, you know, their fathers were lords of the household. Their mothers did the housework. I never questioned it growing up. I thought it was great. Uh, you know, I expected to have the responsibility of being the stoic breadwinner and taking care of my family and, and also the benefit of having a wife to raise the kids and do the housework. Now all that has changed. You know, as I said, masculinity is termed toxic and you don't agree and it might be fun to, to dig into this. But in, in uh, media, men are portrayed as helpless idiots in sitcoms. Many men have no role models to turn to. And I feel this puts men under a lot of pressure. You know, we can't discuss our emotions. We're taught to be self-sufficient. How can men adapt to the new normal? Wow, there's a lot there to, to unpack. <laughs> you're, you're bang on. Uh, the sitcoms, we basically either get to be Homer Simpson or Al Bundy or He-Man. There's really, <laughs> there's nothing in between for us as role models. And it's so difficult. And it unfortunately gives us uh, a reason to be less than we're capable of being. It sets a low bar. Absolutely. Is that, because there's no, there's no way we're going to be He-Man. So if our only options are He-Man or Homer Simpson, well, I get to be Homer Simpson. And it's so imperative for us to do this men's work so that we can be the role models. I hear so many men say, you know, it's up to the next generation. It's up to the, the, the kids to, to change what we get. No, if we leave it to the kids, it's always going to be the exact same thing because they're learning from us. It's our generation. It's the men of today that need to do the changing, that need to do the work on themselves so that the kids can see those better role models, so that those kids can see a positive masculinity. There's far too many children go, growing up without fathers in their houses. And I think that, that is a huge problem because men aren't doing this work. They aren't understanding themselves. It's emotional intelligence. And, and the, the big stigma about emotional intelligence is uh, men think, well, I have to be, I have to cry all the time, or I have to be a wimp, or I have to be a weenie. But emotional intelligence is just about understanding yourself and the sensations that go on in your body. A feeling is just, it's just something that happens. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean anything. This is something that happens. If we can learn to understand ourselves, we can learn to understand other people, we can improve our communications. And to me, weakness is not understanding that. Because you, we see it's people getting triggered online left and right and, and, and arguments ensuing and, and yelling. And this is what causes breakdowns in relationships is being emotionally triggered. 
that is a hole in the armor. People know how to control you by controlling your emotions. If you don't have control of them, or at least if you don't understand them, hmm. getting to learn to understand your emotions, that's the key. That's, that's the evolution. That's the masculine expansion. Yeah. In fact, if you look into um, psychology today and you look at um, how decisions are made, decisions are made emotionally and justified logically. Uh, so, you know, many people's decisions, people like to think they're rational people. And this is something I've thought about from the rational view standpoint. What is a rational decision? And most people don't make so-called logical decisions, but is it rational to take into consideration your emotional uh, position to make a decision? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, this is why I, I, I believe I'm a sort of a bridge between people that don't understand the coaching industry and science. I, what you said right there, it, because it, it does all make sense. It's all rational. This whole coaching thing is entirely rational. But until you understand it, until you look at it and dig a little bit deeper into it, it'll, it'll seem like fluff or, or made up stuff. But once you get to figure it out up here and in here, it's, it's, it's life changing. Yeah, I think a lot of there's a lot of people in the coaching business and self-help because you don't need a lot of um, equipment or, or educational background to do this. And so online you see hordes of people uh, touting their self-help. Uh, and I think a lot of people see it as, as some sort of a Ponzi scheme or a, a pyramid scheme. Um, how do you differentiate yourself as a coach from all of these hordes of people? You've got to coach from your experience. I coach from only my, my own experience. I, I don't try to coach things that I am not. This is why I say I, I don't coach women. I can't, possibly, I can't possibly understand women. So why would I try to coach women on something that I, I, I can't understand? Uh, I don't uh, coach on science necessarily because I'm not, a, I'm not a, a scientist. I didn't go to school for that. I coach on the things that I did to change my life. And I give the, that opportunity to men. I give the tools that I created, that I learned in my own life. And I say, here, here's how to do this. Here's what I did. And if it doesn't work, find someone that, 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 you, that uh, resonates with you. Find someone that, that you trust that's doing it slightly different than me because maybe my things don't work for you. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like uh, part of this work in addressing men's issues is, is, is breaking down the gender stereotypes and expectations um, to be a role model. I spoke about this in my Wage Gap Family Gap podcast. I feel like men need to be leaders right now and role models and normalize paternity leave and break down the family gap where women are expected to be the only caregivers in the family and women are supposed to put their careers on hold while men stay at work and companies, employers don't ask men, you know, are you planning on starting a family? How is this going to affect your, your career with us here? They only ask that of women and we have to change that expectation. I think 
Men should expect to interrupt their careers to raise children, and employers should expect to fund paternity leave equally with maternity leave. And I think that is one of the biggest steps that can be taken to break down the gaps in, in the role models and the gender stereotypes that, that are putting men under stress right now. I agree wholeheartedly. One thing I have, and I've worked with many men that have children, and one thing I have never heard is I don't want to spend more time with my kids. Indeed. Every single man says I, would, I, I desperately want to spend more time with my children. But I feel I have to go to work. I feel I have to, to do this, uh, supporting this, this um, providing. And yeah, there's a stigma that we have to break down. For sure. Because, and, and women, now, there are some women that, that like the old school way of doing it, where the man goes to work and the woman stays home and takes care of the house and the children. That's absolutely fine. But there, I would say more women now want to go get a job and they, they don't want to have to be at home with the children. And so it's got to be a 50, 50. One of the things that I say all the time is compromise is two people giving hundred percent, not 50, 50. You give a hundred percent to your relationship, make that the most important thing in your life and your financial life will improve dramatically. It doesn't make sense at first, but how much time do we spend in our lives worried and stressed about our relationship, worried and stressed about our kids. How are we showing up at work? How are we showing up in front of other people that might have an incredible opportunity for us to make more money if we're constantly worried and stressed about the relationship? If we can figure out our relationship at home, everything else gets better. Indeed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like Addressing men's issues will get us to the root of violence prevention, and domestic violence is the, the dominant form of violence in society right now. And we see you know, growing movements on the internet of, of, of anti-misogynist of people, of, of incels who feel that society owes them sex. And, you know, many men feel disenfranchised and powerless due to the role models changing and the roles changing, and they're looking for someone to blame. And there's hatred out there. How do we counter these harmful narratives? Again, this is about the masculine expansion. It's understanding ourselves and not falling into the trap of what society says we're supposed to be. One thing that I would... Uh, highly recommend for any man listening to this is stop watching pornography. That gives us such a, a horrible representation of what sex is supposed to be. Make it look easy. Make it look like women should just give it to us. This not this is not the way the world works anymore. It's it's you know five thousand years ago, sure, but not not in the two thousands, not even the nineteen hundreds. We, we are capable of so much more. And th there are factions of men, uh, like the MGTOWs, men going their own way, that just want to blame women for their problems in life. And uh, their whole big thing is, sure, wh why, why do I have to do something more? Why, why are you putting the onus on men? Men are already doing so much. Well, are they really? Are we just falling in line with what other people have told us we're supposed to be. 
how about I take responsibility for my life, my own, and do something with it? Now, obviously, in, in, uh, when it comes to race and things like that, uh, black men, people of color, natives, they have a, a much more difficult time because they've got that hanging over their heads. And that's a whole nother topic uh, where we, you know, getting rid of systemic racism in our society uh, would go a long ways to improving the lives of all people, but men as well. Yeah. I mean, you talk about stop watching porn, but it's not that easy. And, and sexual issues are tied up uh, with religious issues. And a lot of people have this guilt complex where they have the natural drive, but then the, the church makes them feel guilty. And it's just kind of a spiral of, of self-loathing that comes out of this. Um, and, you know, a lot of these people aren't uh, in a position to find any other outlet for these, uh, these needs. So what are you suggesting? We've all got to find a, a purpose, find something to do with our life. I think the, the biggest problem there, the reason men go to porn, the reason men go to drugs, the reason men go to alcohol is to hide from the pain, hide from the guilt and the shame. Instead of figuring themselves out, instead of finding something to leave a legacy, create something great. Find whatever it is that makes you get up in the morning, gets you passionate. This is why I do this. This is why you do this podcast. Because it lights us up, makes us feel good. But if you don't have that, and you're not getting sex, you're not getting the basic desires of the body, then we go to blaming people. We go to trying to take sex, we turn to the porn, we turn to the alcohol, we turn to the drugs. And that creates an uncomfortable life. Yes, it, it's, it's about delayed gratification. If we constantly do the things that make me happy now, I'm never going to have an incredible life that I'm proud of. When, when you get to your dying day, let's say you're lucky enough to, to grow to 85, 90, 100 years old, and you look back on your life, do you want to say, hey, I had some sex? Or do you want to say, man, I built something incredible with my life. I did something amazing. And it doesn't matter what society tells you you're supposed to do. Do whatever you want to do. If your thing is knitting, go freaking do it. I've got a guy in my men's group. That's his thing. He loves to knit and he makes stuff for people and he sends them and he sells it online. Awesome. Do it. It doesn't make him less of a man. It doesn't make him homosexual. It doesn't make him anything. It, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And th this is a narrative that society doesn't tell you. And I know, I know both you and I have, have taken some time to get to the point where we're at uh, doing things that we enjoy doing. And it, you know, society tells you, go get a job, go get a wife, go make money, uh, become a cog in the machine. It doesn't tell you about self-actualization about about finding what you want to do and doing it that's that's something that comes later or it came later for me anyways you know and it comes later for most people but even some people never never even get to this point mm -hmm. because they're locked into what society tells them they're supposed to do is 
I mean, I did it. I, I went to school for, I have a degree in electronics engineering technology, used it for a year and a half. And that was it because I didn't like it. I was like, I went for something practical because I didn't know what I wanted to do as a 17 year old. Hmm. I hadn't yeah. found my passion yet. And I wish that I had done something that I was excited about. I got accepted to university for um, environmental biology. I was like, that's something I'm passionate about. I like the earth. I, I, I could do that. But then I thought, well, how am I going to make money on that? And it was the making money that drove my decision to do something that I didn't actually want to do. And this brings us back to the universal basic income again, whole circle. I think it's a solution to a lot of things. And COVID is bringing it to the forefront right now because people are out of work and are struggling to survive. And, and there's a, enough money to go around. This, yeah. this is one thing that people need to understand, especially if you're an entrepreneur or if you're not an entrepreneur and you want to start a business, there is more than enough money to go around. But we, we make our decisions out of lack. We make our decisions out of fear of not having money. And like you said, decisions are made emotionally. And if I'm coming to you with a business proposition or coming to you with a product and my whole attitude is I need to make money. The person that I'm talking to is going to feel this, 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 I hear your words, but it feels weird. Mm -hmm. the, your energy, the, the, the attitude that you're coming to me with feels a little bit weird. I don't trust it. So I'm not going to buy, or I'm not going to give you the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So the universal basic income that changes the game. I don't need the money. I do it from a place of desire. I show up as a different human in that communication. I'm excited about my product. I don't need to make a sale. It's just awesome. Here, buy this. And the person, I'm tingling all over right now. The, the person on the other side is like, wow, that is great. Let me share that with my friends. Yeah, there's definitely a difference in terms of how you come across. One is very insincere, I think. Mm. Absolutely. So we've been, society has been changing and, you know, you're probably aware of this Me Too movement where, you know, powerful men have been uh, accused of, of sexual improprieties and using their power to get sex. And you hear there's this blowback from a lot of men saying, oh, no, this is horrible. What, you know, what's the point of being successful if we can't use our power and privilege to get sex? Have you ever heard of that? Coming out, of, uh, coming out of society, what's your, what's your response to that? There's a lot of fear from men that haven't really had to try. Mm. And they've just been given things and they get things because of their privilege and their power. Mm. And they, they've got this false sense of security because most of these guys and the reason they do it is because they're in pain inside because they're not living the life that they want, because they don't have the relationship that they want. And they're blaming society. They're blaming other people. They're blaming women for their problems of not feeling sexually fulfilled. It, it's, I'm so happy it happened. The whole Me Too movement. Indeed. Long time because, coming. Yeah. Men needed to be put in their place. And yes, it's up to us to, to change the narrative. It's up to us to do something about it, to change who we're showing up as in the world so that people stop calling masculinity toxic because masculinity in itself is beautiful. Masculinity is awesome. 
A strong, mature, masculine man is an incredible human. But a man who lives his life in fear is not. And it's, so it's, it's people that can be toxic. Masculinity itself is awesome. How do you define masculinity? What does masculinity mean to you? Masculinity means to me chivalry, living a life of respect. Respect first, honor, emotional intelligence, compassion, understanding. Because the, the dictionary definition of masculinity is just the generally accepted things that make men men. Well, guess what? If it's generally accepted, I generally accept that. So that's what masculinity is. We can change what it means. That's why I say we, effortless alpha. We, I want to change what it means to be a strong leader because alpha is just leader. Doesn't mean domineering. Doesn't mean toxic. A strong masculine character man is, is amazing and people look to them for leadership, but also a strong feminine woman is amazing. And people look to them for leadership. So you're not saying that men have to be the leaders. Absolutely not. We, we, we live in a very cool time in human evolution. We could literally choose our own evolution if we wanted to. If we had enough people, Choosing how we want to be going forward, we could choose how humans evolve by changing the way we respond to things, by improving our communications. That's pretty cool. It's exciting. It's scary. And that's why most people don't do it. Like, it's talk, like we talked about at the very beginning, the change of what we don't know in the future is often more scary than just staying the same. As painful as the same is, change for most people is scarier because I don't know what's on the other side of that. The, the, the ego in our, in our brains wants us to stay the same. This is why it's so hard to change. We're hardwired to, to say, okay, this worked yesterday. I'm still alive today. So whatever I did yesterday, let's do that again. Let's, 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 let's keep our stress around finances. Let's stay in the relationship that doesn't suit us. Let's stay there because I'm comfortable. As, as painful and as emotionally hard as it is, even as, as physically as hard as it might be, I'm going to stay there because I know I can do it. That's what makes evolving society so hard is that that fear is an easy lever for politicians to play on. Truth. And until we are brave enough and, you know, People often ask, well, how am I going to do it? How am I going to change? How, how do I do? How, 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 how? Courage. You've got to be brave enough to take the first step. You've got to be brave enough to act as if you've already achieved the change that you want to see. And then see what happens. That's why discipline for men is so hard. You know, you say it's not easy to stop watching pornography. It's easy if you use discipline and willpower. We've all got it. It's all there. We're all capable of it. But, and, but we don't know what's on the other side of the discipline. Stop watching pornography for three years. Challenge yourself. If you don't watch pornography for three years, I guarantee your life will change for the better. Guarantee it. 100%. 
but are you brave enough? Are you courageous enough to try it? That's the question. Very cool. So we're getting to the end of our time slot here. Why don't you give us a plug for your group and, and tell, tell our listeners how to get help. Effortless Alphas is the best brotherhood on the planet. Search on Facebook, Effortless Alpha. In fact, if you search anywhere on the internet, Effortless Alpha, you are going to find me. I am the only one. And I've got men's groups in there. I've got a, a, a paid coaching group called The Word of Man, where uh, it's all about making your word more powerful than your signature. And, and sticking to your word as a man, which is really powerful. When you do that for yourself first and then for others, uh, again, it's a, it's a life changer. So Kevin Bruce Scott, you can also search uh, that anywhere. I'm probably the first one that comes up on most Google searches. Well, thank you for, for joining the Rational View today and talking about uh, your work. Uh, before we go, I have one last question for you. Speaking of brotherhoods, who is your favorite brother? <laughs> You are. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please consider visiting my patron page and becoming a patron of this podcast at patron.podbean.com/slash/the-rational-view.